Hey, Potential Podcast listeners. Thanks for tuning in once again to the Potential Podcast. Before we begin today's episode, we'd like to take a moment and talk to you about something that means a lot to us. This podcast was created to be a source of fun and entertainment, and although we love to nerd out with you, one thing we do take serious is mental health. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, then our sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. You can talk to your therapist in a private, safe, online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise with BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network that gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. All you do is simply fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in just under 48 hours. After that, you can schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. And at any time, you can request a new therapist at no additional charge. Join the over 3 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Our listeners will get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com potential. That's betterhelp.com slash potential. Once again, that's 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash potential. Take charge of your mental health with BetterHelp. And remember, know your potential. This episode is a sponsored partnership by Keen. So, you finally decided that you want to seek psychic advice. But now you're just sitting there and you're asking yourself, why Keen? Shouldn't I just look into psychics near me? It would probably be a lot easier. Our response? Why would you? Keen connects you with talented tarot readers and astrologers. If you want to get a reading on Keen, it's super easy to start. They've been giving trustworthy readings since 1999, over 35 million to be exact. All you have to do is create an account and you'll be able to choose from hundreds of readers who are online right now. These readers each have unique specialties designed to provide a deeper understanding of your situation. Want to learn more about your love life? What's your financial future look like? Are you looking for a closure from a deceased loved one? Keen has a reader ready to provide clarity and insight. You can choose whichever reader best suits your needs and you'll be able to connect via phone call or text. Just go to trykeen.com slash potential. As a new customer on Keen, you can try your first 10 minutes for only $1.99, which is up to $99 in savings. Once again, that's trykeen.com slash potential. Get your first 10 minutes for $1.99. And remember, know your potential. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum. This is the Potential Podcast. Well, hello, and welcome back to another Potential Podcast with me, Taylor Sokol, your host. And with me, as always, my. Uh, fabled friend and uh, fantastic podcast host, Chris Dewar. Thank you very much for that awesome introduction. Thank you, Taylor. Here we are. <laughs> no Once problem. again, uh, another fabulous edition of the Potential Podcast. Before we get going today, we want to say huge thanks because we've hit our first milestone landmark. Um, by the time this airs just a few days ago, we finally hit 1,000 downloads. Yes, we, we did. Our first 1K we just want to say we thank you guys so much for the continued love and support. Uh, this is a big part of why we do this is to share our take on all these things that we like to talk about, but it's mostly to get you guys to listen and to enjoy. So thank you so much for tuning in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, we can sit and talk to ourselves all the time and record it and listen to it later, but we do it for you guys and the fans and the fact that it just kind of warms, it really warms our hearts to see that it's been seems to be well received and we're going to keep doing this. And of course, we're going to be adding new fun things. And of course, uh, you can always follow us on, on our social pages, Insta and Facebook and check that out because if you have any things you want to hear about or any, you know, positive feedback, we want to hear it. 
but yeah, so excited and overwhelmed with this amazing uh, response to the podcast. And it's only less than six months in uh, doing this. And we've, yeah, we were, we're actually where our estimates were. We were hoping by the end of November and we're a whole month early. So that's uh, very exciting for us. So we're going to continue to, you know, bring you episodes and more, and we're going to be starting a YouTube channel as well. So that'll be exciting for you guys to check out. So stay tuned. We have some fun things popping up for that. We are in the October month and we're in that month where a lot of horror fans get their due and get to share their love. And uh, we thought it'd be fun today to talk about a pair of movies that uh, the first one has been labeled by some as the scariest movie of all time or one of the top horror movies of all time. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, is The Shining, the adaptation of Stephen King's novel by the great late director Stanley Kubrick. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, years later, we got a... Stephen King didn't make a follow-up book, Dr. Sleep. And Mike Flanagan, who is best known for his work on The Haunting of Hill House and the upcoming Haunting of Bly Manor, uh, directed that, So, which is a continuation of The Shining Story. So we thought it'd be fun to talk about those two films today. Um, Taylor, can you remember first time ever seeing The Shining or anything about The Shining? I can tell you what my first time experience of knowing about The Shining was. Yeah, I think we might have similar. I think we talked about this. Well, my first experience with The Shining, I had not seen The Shining in its entirety until very, very recently. I'm talking like within the last year. But the first mm. reference to The Shining that I remember was, of course, and uh, was Twister. Uh, it's a twister where of course there's a scene where there's drive through and uh a drive in sorry not drive through drive in and uh they're playing that and you know of course shining i always knew of you know here's johnny and the creepy hallway but here's johnny's of such a famous moment but seeing those two twin girls in the hallway i, I always remember seeing twister when i was younger and yeah they're at that movie drive-in and then the twister starts to course break through the screen but the shining's playing the entire time so yeah. it's already creepy especially when you're younger and you don't really know what that movie's about and you see little danny and his little bike going down yeah. the hall it's like come play with us danny and in the background there's a giant like f4 twister coming this way yeah. so it's like there's there's some little kind of message oh and it adds such horror because you know as yeah. the as the cyclone as the axe is going He's accent. It's like, this is terrifying. Yeah. So that, yeah, terrifying. That experience. I think both of us probably before ever seeing it. And then, and what was you the know, it's, and you gosh, I, it? I can't, I can't remember the first time I fully saw it. I know we have it on DVD, but I've probably seen the movie in its entirety. I want to say roughly four times um, by now, including yeah. what, you know, a few months ago, we did a back-to-back feature watching Oof, that was that was an honesty. shining into the director's cut of dr sleep the thing about the shining that i think is why it holds up is stanley kubrick is a master of atmosphere yes. and he he's a master at the camera of so much of that movie is not it's not the horror like we have today a lot of horrors today are all jump scare. Jump scares it's all, all loud noise effect. And the grotesque be, and stuff. It could be a light turning on and there's a big, you know, -da! and it's not even something scary, but because yeah. the tension building and everything, it gets you. The Shining's a lot of slow, slow buildup. From the beginning, once the, the credits beginning. start rolling and that mm -hmm. score, it you 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 burr, know you're into something. Burr, oh. I mean, it's very eerie, and you have that. I don't know what sound effect it must have been some kind of person, but it's like, ooh, you know, like that high pitch kind of like yeah. scream singing. I don't know what you would call it, but the tone already sets up so well that something's wrong about this place they're going to. There's something about it that is creepy, and that's the whole thing that why this novel has been so successful is that you know Stephen King stayed in this hotel one night and he stayed in a creepy room and then he got this whole idea of well what if what if these ghosts in this hotel were haunting people and then you became part of the hotel and a crazed writer and you know it's it's such a good story it's yes. such a clever device because 
I think something we're probably all experiencing during this quarantine time is that sense of what happens if you're stuck inside a place for a very long time and don't have a lot of access to the outside world. It's that claustrophobia and everything. Isolation. And I mean, of course, we do have at least the, the ability with social media to keep in touch with people <laughs> and we are still able to go out. But the idea of going up hours and hours out into the mountains where there's completely away you're from completely deserted from, you know, you're probably three hour drive to the closest station of any kind. And you're in this giant mansion of a hotel that has so many floors, so many rooms. And how would you, how would you ever know if you're truly alone? Like, how would you, you know, in that time, probably is also, there's not a lot of security camera work. That's not really a big thing yet. You know, it's like, for all you know, you would never know if someone, before the big snow started to hit, was to drive up sneakily and try to break into the hotel. You know, it's like, there's so many things that could go wrong. Yeah. And then let's add a supernatural element to it. I think that's what, what makes it so great is there is that bit of... um it is a time period, but also slightly timeless because that, that could occur, you know, if they made that today, you know, isolated, mm-hmm. no technology. I mean, you're up in the mountains today, you're not going to have signal. You're not going to have access to a lot of stuff. I mean, in the movie, you know, the communication they only have is through like CB radio, you know, to, to you know, uh, talk in. But here's the big thing about this movie. And of course, there's a, there's a bit of divisiveness, obviously, we got to talk about because of the mm-hmm. fans of the book and the movie. But strictly speaking, we're going to shoot for the movie. Um, the whole atmosphere already built in the world building. The thing about the movie is interesting is because it is a, such a psychological thing that you're kind of, you don't know if you're in the movie and your mind's playing trick on you. You know, think about your you're like you said you're isolated then you would start to see things hear things you would start so there's that and you know our, of course our props have to go out to i mean this cast there's only really you know technically only three main characters that are the focus so i'd on. say a, a total of really four yes yeah, i would, I would uh, um include halloran in that but um yeah no truly it is very small cast you know there's a couple supporting characters but Really, this whole thing is led by the incredible Jack Nicholson um, playing Jack Torrance. And yeah, you they already build, even before going to this hotel, that you get this idea of, okay, uh, he was a teacher, but he's given that up. And he wants to go back to his true passion, which is writing. Mm-hmm. So he's taken on this job where he'll be isolated with his family to take care of this hotel during the winter months where they close the resort which seems kind of crazy for, you know, a mountain that you think, oh, it's, but it's, you know, it's the ski season, but they don't use it for, they only use it for the summer. So he's going to have plenty of time, downtime to write. But we also learned that he is a former alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, the reason why he stopped drinking is that he accidentally hurt his son mm-hmm. in a moment. And then, so we have all these connections of, okay, we have a father who's dealt with alcoholism. He's hurt his son, but he's kind of playing it off like it didn't really happen. We have the wife who's kind of the, really, she's really kind of the, um, almost oblivious to some of it. She kind of just, you know, goes yeah. along with a lot of stuff because she's in support of her husband. I think, you know, it'll be good for Danny to go up there. Uh, you know, she kind of is really that submissive character, which then plays into a lot of this film. And then we have Danny, this this interesting little boy named Danny who is talking to himself and we're like, okay, maybe he's got an imaginary friend or yeah, something. Yeah, very standard. And then, uh, you know, we start to learn that, oh, there's something else going on with Danny that's a little, uh, little magical, a little uh, fantasy-like, mm-hmm. which is where we get the great title, The Shining. The Shining is this power that he has where he can see things that have happened, see things in the future. He can sense evil he can read minds read minds he's you know telepathy is kind of what this is and so we already have this great setup of okay we're gonna put these characters into this giant mansion Mm -hmm. and i love the the scene i think is it's it's kind of an eerie scene because you see how how jack's reaction is when the the head of the hotel tells him now i I have to tell you uh, of course because you know just so you know and some people get spooked about it but um a former caretaker of the hotel uh, went crazy and shot his wife and kids 
and then shot himself. So I just want yeah. to let you know. And, you know, and the thing is, most people, even if it happened years and years in the past, would have a bit of a reaction of like a, oh, God, that's terrible. Yeah. And his reaction is very like, doesn't bother me. And like, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people have actually, you know, some of the complaints that, you know, we're going to talk about the comparison to the book is for some people, they think that Jack is already pretty, pretty out there and pretty crazy from the beginning. And it's not really a, such a slow descent to madness, which is why some people thought having a little, you know, I, I just recently watched One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which yeah. is pretty The Shining. A lot of the character in that, that Jack Nicholson done, you see the evolution to Jack Torrance mm -hmm. as he's playing, you know, is he a crazy person or not a crazy person? That's a lot of this film is, is he really going crazy? Is he being haunted? Is it, you know, all happening? Um, is it real life? Is it not real life? And there's something that I'm like, yeah, I can see the slow descent to madness would have been a little more creepy, but there's just something so powerful about his performance that really comes off like you're so attracted to watching him, but you're also terrified of what he might do at any second. And, um, you know, we start to very, once they, once the people all leave the hotel, we start to see these small moments. And this is where Kubrick really shines because he likes to have these huge wide shots of, yeah, he oh. starts to shine. I like the play on words there. <laughs> It's like these huge wide shots of this hotel. Yeah. It's just like, even like Danny on his trike going down the halls and you hear every time he's on the rug and not the rug, those sound effects. And it's just, you always feel like something's watching you, even if nothing's there. I think that was something that was really clever about this film adaptation. Yeah. And uh, like I said, yeah, the, the sound effects too just plays in just such that, that eerie creepy feeling and it's a lot of these it's not so much music it's just more of these sounds and just these mm -hmm. long prolonged sounds of like you said it sounds like a woman screaming or you know the kettle's on really hot you know kettle's on or like these kind of like i always call it spider guitar it yeah. sounds like someone's taking like a little like mandolin and like like stuff like that or just like low hums or it's just you know there's something about i think kubrick really nailed the when is it quiet in the house because you know if you're in your house and you're alone nothing's good you know a house will sometimes make a noise or two you know the, yeah. the, something moves or something you know it's not it's not a lot but it, there's there's something about silence that is so creepy as well and that's a lot in this film it's not just all dialogue heavy and then you do have yeah. that score comes in sometimes there's like really high-pitched violins and it's it's playing what the, the, the madness of Jack is happening. And of course, as we go further into the film, you know, at uh, the turning point is then when it gets, the plot thickens, as they say, as, yes. as Jack, as uh, character Jack is really, really starts to lose it. Um, as he is like, there's just some of these great shots of him just kind of sitting there and he's just staring off into space mm -hmm. or, and With those big eyebrows yeah those big eyebrows those, that really those v pin, you know i know they're kind of like looking there the and you're like brows. and like, <laughs> i think one of the, the some of the most significant scenes in that movie is the fact when he when of course um danny starts to interact with the spirits where we're not really sure if there's anything there but of course we see later that um you know, there's there's still that that very that very sad like story of the the father and the son relationship, where it's this kind of abusive relationship, and he really starts to unravel. And he, the scene when he goes to the bar and he speaks to uh, Lou, the bartender, mm -hmm. uh, which is which is such a great scene because you're like, is this in his mind? Is this really happening? I think that and was exactly you're kind of going. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, there's there's no one. You know, again, this is an empty hotel. It's just just the three of them in this entire thing. And all of a sudden we get this kind of like 1920s looking bartender who is like, you know, what'll it be? And, and, and you know, Jack's kind of just this happy little boy for a second. Cause he's like, he hasn't had a drink in over five months. And he's, yeah. you can tell he really could use one. And this is shot of him looking at his wallet and, Oh, I guess I'm gonna run a little low tonight. And he's like, your credit's fine here. Yeah. And then he pours him a drink and then it's like, uh Oh, now he's going to start having alcohol again. This is, this is where it's going to start to derail. And then he really starts to go into, <laughs> I'm in psycho villain. <laughs> Jack is the mayor. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And then we get into that really, really, really iconic scene where, you know, Wendy comes in and she checks the typewriter and the typewriter has hundreds and hundreds of pages with the same thing typed over and over again. Yes. You're like, oh my gosh, this man's a psycho. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll work and no play make Jack a dull boy. How do you like it? You know, it's just uh, that. <laughs> oh, that shot. What a great shot, eyes, right? And you see her eyes looking at it. She's looking it. and the music's building in the horror. And then that shot where they show just Jack's like head kind of pipe into the, the corner of the shot. And then this whole great moment, you know, this dialogue of, of, and it is a bit of a earlier scene too, where, you know, Jack's working and she comes in to bring him like a sandwich or something. He's like, you know, if you see me typing, that means I'm working. And then he starts, and he's really, yeah. It's like really when I come and bother you, when I come bother you about this <laughs> podcast, do you see I'm writing the script here? <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, there's something about you, you, you as a, even if you've known parents that fight and stuff, the way he talks to her is so degrading and yes. so like, and then this scene just really elevates that to, Oh, I think he's going to hurt her if he yeah. has the option. So we have this great shot of him, you know, going up the, going up the stairs and, you know, Wendy, yeah. give me the bat, give the bat, give me the bat, Wendy. And then she's, you know, smacks him over the head and, you know, <laughs> as that tumble down the stairs. Yeah. Just so, um, but I mean, that's the thing. I think with Jack Nicholson in that role, I mean, off the bat, he doesn't give off this warm, friendly dad vibe. So I think that's mm. the little bit of a challenge, but he that, really- the, first, the drive up to the hotel, dad, I'm hungry. Well, you should have ate your breakfast. <laughs> yeah, it's very, yeah, very Nicholson throughout. But I mean, that the, the last act, the last third act where he really comes alive and he just is just has gone too far gone. And of course, we get to that final iconic scene where he's axing down the door uh, to mm -hmm. get after Wendy. And um, you know what a line! You know one of the one of the most memorable lines of him axing. That was improv. Yeah, which, which was perfectly done. It was just like I, I feel. Mean, it's a, yeah, it's a great, and that's one of those things where it's like a pop culture moment that really plays into the scene, and it's like it totally makes sense. It's not some totally good like out of nowhere line that does not fit the rest of the movie. Two things I wanted to bring up here was I think a really big scene that will play into uh, the sequel is you have that great scene after he goes back to the bar and it's a whole ballroom of people now yeah. dancing is uh, he gets a little bit of drink spilled on him. So he goes into the bathroom with a man named Grady mm -hmm. and they have this, you know, he's, he's trying to, you know, clean him up and stuff and they're talking. He's like, wait a minute, Grady. And he's like, I know you're the, you're the, you were the caretaker. You were the guy that shot your, your kids and your wife. And then, and then you have this whole scene where the man's like, no, you're the caretaker. You've always been the caretaker. And this is where we start to get this inkling of maybe you never leave the hotel. You always become part of the hotel. And that's it's hotel. This, it's the hotel California of horrors. <laughs> <laughs> this is where that supernatural element really starts to play a little more creepy mind games with you of, well, wait a minute, is, you know, is there something more powerful and sinister here that we maybe not even realize? And the other scene I wanted to talk about was we do have that famous scene of going into room 237, which I believe in the book is actually 217, but they changed it to 237 because where they filmed, um, there was no room 217. So they had to change it because that's, you know, whatever. But uh, I'm like, you couldn't just make, you couldn't have made another doorknob. I mean, that would have been <laughs> that's that too much work. We but need to move the location too much. But um, that great scene too, where we, you know, we there's just some kind of evil presence in that room, and you know, even Halloran's like, Danny, don't go into that room. He yeah. knows there's something evil in there, and then we have this, you know, this beautiful babe comes out of the the you know the bathroom out of the bath to. Uh, to try to uh, attract Mr. Torrance, who is just, of course, he's so fed up with his wife and his kid. And he's just like, you know, he's seeing another woman and he's just so enamored. And he's like, oh my gosh, they start to make out. And then all of a sudden, bing, bang, boom. No, she's actually an evil, gross soul. Oh <laughs> God. Yeah. Wet, wet hag, if you will. Yeah. Uh, you know, she's been a long gone dead old woman. And this, this whore in his face. I mean, another great iconic scene that, plays a huge part into Dr. Sleep, but I will say 
the shining has always even though i think so much of it is a solid movie uh i do agree with the fans in terms of the ending i think it's a poor ending um and that was a big thing that they did deviate from the book uh because in the book it really is that the the hotel fully possesses him and which you know we'll talk about in dr sleep how that kind of was uh fixed in the end but um I always thought it was such a dumb ending because it, it is an iconic scene of him chasing Danny through the maze. And, you know, it's like, so, okay, this guy is so crazy. He's out in the snow and he's going to try to kill him. But then we just get that shot of him frozen, Solid, which is yeah. now just a meme. Um, yeah. I think that, that, that kind of took away from it. I, I, I think they shouldn't have had that shot at all. Just him disappear because the final yeah. scene, which still, I think to this day, vexes fans of just the movie itself of where you you just zoom in on a, a picture this whole like new year's or mm-hmm. christmas party i believe it was a party and it's you see him center focus so you're like center focus so again this idea of well has has he always been there or is this idea that maybe a reincarnation or maybe like a a, a new you know maybe a relative that you know so there has to be something that kind of explains like well if that grady is doesn't remember he's Grady. Well then, you know, and that's this huge mystery, which I, I do like when movies do that. I like when it, movies it leave does, you going, yeah, it leaves you a minute. What? Yeah. So you kind of go, it's a good kind of head scratcher. It's like, Oh, okay. Whoa. That's was like, it, was it destiny that he was supposed to get this job that would take him to this hotel because the hotel was always going to pull him back. But then the, the thing that makes me kind of think, okay, one thing I don't understand then is if that's the case, then why was it, why was it, you know, we kind of assume by his look and his age, he's probably like early mid forties, I would say, yeah. is Jack. So like why is it the hotel waited till then to pull him in? You know? Yeah. Is it something to do with the idea that he he accidentally hurt Danny and then because of the shining, which the hotel clearly attracts, you know, there's all these kind of like, well, wh- where does that lead to how it, it came to be? But um mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, again, props to Kubrick. So much of this movie is, it's it's just, it's not the horror like today. I think, especially if you've never seen it, people that are so used to the horror movies of today might not actually enjoy it that much. They might or find they, it boring yeah. or a little tedious. And people but who, who don't like horror of today, they might really like this, especially if you like yeah. more of a psychological uh, driven movie. Because I would say- and there, There's yeah. definitely some horror move, moments in this movie. Uh, there's even, I would say a couple- very brief, but there's a couple kind of jump scares, but it's so much of the tone of the atmosphere and the buildup and the acting and the music and the camera work that really makes this truly one of the most iconic, you know, horror movies of the time. But it was exciting. You know, we've had, there was a shining TV series mm-hmm. that came out, I think through sci-fi, I want to say, or USA yeah. or some one of those. Um, that was a little more appropriate to the book. I think the biggest thing that I know I remember from reading the novel that was missed out on was around the maze are supposed to be these giant hedge animals, you know, animals that are shaped, you know, with all the leaves and the bushes and they come to life and they're terrifying, you know, giant tiger or lions and something and they're pouncing, they're attacking. I guarantee the time that this movie was made that there wasn't really the CGI or the budget to want to try to do any of that. It would have looked too cartoony. It would have looked not as good. So I was okay with them not having it in, Kubrick's version but if the shine was to be remade today with the CGI we have now you would you would expect all the elements to be there which is yeah. why I think Mike Flanagan chose what he chose for the end of Dr. Sleep which we're going to get to after the break but before we go to a break just final thoughts on the shining itself yeah I just uh, think that again I was so glad I was introduced this later in life I think I appreciate it more and um Knowing what I do know about the book, I still enjoy it for what it was. But again, my hats off to Kubrick creating such a, an amazing atmosphere. And of course, Jack Nicholson creating one of the most iconic uh, horror movement uh, moments of all time. Uh, still to this day, give me one of my favorite uh, all-time horror films. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's a, such a well-done piece. And it's something that still is so attractive to to get to watch and experience. And you can tell it, even through pop culture, it's still being, you know, done all the time. I mean, the most recent one I can think of was we had 
Ready Player One had, uh, which I, you know, is already part of the book, but uh, I believe. But what a great that whole sequence where they, uh, you know, they're going off to the second key and they have to go through the shiny. Yes. And I mean, like they did such a good job in that of really setting what it was like to be. You know, it looked all the same, and that was really, really cool. But of course. We do get finally the sequel to The Shining, Doctor Sleep, which we're going to get to right after this. A new terror arises from the mind of Stephen King. Jack, how much longer is this drive? My butt's asleep. Well then, Wendy, you should have done your exercises. Enter the Overlook Hotel, if you dare. Now, Mr. Torrance, I do need to tell you, the previous podcast host, Grady, Shot and killed his wife and two daughters, and then shot himself. That's great. Doesn't bother me at all. You guys got any snacks? Say, Doc, you ever hear what people are thinking? Yeah. Yeah, almost like a feeling. Where do you feel that? My shins. You sure those aren't shin splints? The power of isolation overtakes you. Hiya, Jack. How's the podcast coming? Wendy, let me tell you something. If you see my headphones on, it means I'm recording the podcast here. And now, you've broken my concentration. If I can't focus on my work, then how can I ever record anything, huh? Now, would you get the hell out of here? I'm so sorry, sir. We will get you cleaned up in no time. Wait a minute. Aren't you Grady? Who, sir? Yeah. You're Grady. You're the host of the podcast. You are mistaken, sir. You've always been the host of the podcast. The halls are alive with the dead. Red rum! Red rum! Red rum! Red rum? My mama used to make red rum. Don't miss this spine-tingling masterpiece. Jack, <laughs> I'm just so confused. Wendy, darling, light of my life. I'm not going to hurt you. No, I'm just going <laughs> to bash your brains in. <laughs> That's it. I'm going to my room. Stanley Kubrick's. Here's Johnny! Who? The Shin. I will tell you right now, that sounds terrifying. Yeah, I, I may have I may have to change my shorts. That's all. I'll have to watch that with my eyes covered. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> lights on. Well, and well we're back. Yes, we and uh, very excited about this one because... You know, I, I've read The Shining. I have not had a chance to read Dr. Sleep. After seeing the movie a couple times now, I do want to read the book. Yeah. But kind of cool that we got this sequel novel that came out, you know, years down the road to The Shining of a continuation of this world and an older Danny Torrance, who is mm-hmm. now around the same age, I think, his dad was during The Shining. So, yeah, we're kind of introduced to a Danny who has been following his dad's footsteps he is a complete alcoholic he's a mess uh, rightfully so unfortunately as he is mm-hmm. suffering uh of the effects of his tra- childhood trauma and dealing with his i mean um, yeah his dad went crazy and tried to murder him uh you know then not shortly after his his i think his mom died he dies of illness unfortunately um, yeah so you know he's had a lot to deal with that that emotional turmoil from his childhood and, and of course he's dealing with having this psychic psychic powers that he, he mm-hmm. doesn't want and he feels more it's a curse than a blessing uh, but of mm-hmm. course in the movie he's followed by these horrible spirits not just you know, well, yeah meanwhile you got yeah he he's 
the spirits from the hotel, which you thought, oh, well, they can't go anywhere but the hotel. No, they're, they follow him to his, his other home in Colorado, his home in California. Anywhere he goes, these things follow him. So he learns a cool trick of the trade that, oh, I can create these mind boxes in my head and lock them away. Yeah. And that's, that was a cool, that was a new, like, okay, we haven't seen that before. Well, that's a new thing. And it's very exciting because now we're diving deeper into the mythology of what is to shine. And that yeah. What is the shining itself? And clearly as we knew in the shining as both Halloran and him have it. Well, that has to mean that, you know, on a planet with more than 7 billion people on it, there's gotta be more people that have the shining, uh-huh. whether it's strong or not. And anything that's that amazing and glorious, that also means there's going to be an evil team lurking behind it, trying to exploit it. And which is why we get this. I mean, this is, this was a really cool thing that I thought King came up with that kind of this idea of a a different breed of vampire almost. It's kind of like, kind of like vampires, but they're, they're, they're not after blood. They're after the shining, the essence of the shining. What they call steam, which is, uh, steam, of course, yeah. the villainous group known as the Twisted Knot. The Twisted Knot. Yes. And led by Rose the Hat oh. uh, with What a Performance uh, by Rebecca <laughs> Ferguson. <laughs> Just Marry me. I know. Um. <laughs> Can you hear me? If you're listening to Rebecca, we love you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, what a solid casting uh, and now in this mm-hmm. one, and I think we'll talk about this again, but we got to get props to uh, Mike Flanagan because not only is you, Dr. Sleep, you can enjoy it for what it is. It is a great love letter to both fans of The Shining, the movie, but also the novel. Also the book. Yeah, yes. it's it's really, he, he did such a good job of continuing the legacy, uh, honoring what had been done before because even if people aren't the biggest fans of the movie, there is so much of that to uh, to respect from what Kubrick did, but he knows there's so many people out there that really enjoy the book, and he did this kind of great marriage of all right. Let me take the Doctor Sleep book, the Shining book, and the Shining movie, and combine them into the best elements to make this sequel movie. And I will say we watched yeah we watched the theatrical, theatrical version. version opening weekend. We got to watch that together in New York. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, but sitting down to watch the director's cut which is about 40 45 minutes longer um i would say i i believe so i I think it may have been between like 25 minutes of that because i know it was going i think it's almost about it's a three-hour movie for the director's cut. about three hours with the director's cut but in the original much of it is so entertaining because it really you know we're spelling out the what happened to these characters down the line and we get these cool flashback scenes too which that was great casting as well the casting of like younger wendy and younger jack uh, was really, really well done because, of course, you're not going to have Jack Nicholson back in this no, movie. No, and unfortunately, nowadays, movies, some, it's been a good decision, not so, where they're using CGI to make, you know, younger versions of these characters, and it, and it looks fake. With this one, they opted, very smartly, I thought, to do characters that look very much like them, mm-hmm. uh, but not doing so much a parody of that, but doing a performance and likeness of it. And like you said, it was perfectly done, which I thought was really random fun fact, uh, the casting of, they did of young Jack uh, Torrance was uh, by I'll be yes. right here. The original actor yeah, Henry Elliot. Thomas. Who I mean, I I just re I just watched the Haunting of Hill House, and he plays the um, he's the young version of the dad through that whole series. So when it's flashbacks of them when they're all kids, he's the dad in that, and that was done by Mike Flanagan. So you could tell there was a there was a likeness. That's why he wanted to cast him. And I mean, with the hair and everything, he really does look. He has a very similar look to Jack Nicholson. I mean, no one's ever going to outdo those eyebrows, but no. um, well, we'll get to that scene in a bit here. But yes, yeah, so we have this. We have this true knot, and you can tell that they're searching. Sorry, for I call it twisted knot. It's the true knot. Sorry. Oh, the true knot. <laughs> you said it right. Twisted. I said twisted knot. You actually got it right. Oh. So someone didn't watch the movie twice. <laughs> <laughs> the twisted knot sounds like a horrendous horror movie about a knot. <laughs> that you struggle to or or a, a bad wedding yeah but anyway the true knot yes led by uh, rebecca ferguson they're they're on the hunt for powerful shiners that have great steam and uh their their uh their fuel's running low 
because the ones they've been hunting lately have not had much. And they're a group about, I'd say 12 to 15 of them are probably part of this pack. And they have, I love that they have these kind of like canisters of like stuff they've have stored. So like if they, if they don't find anybody, they have to use these canisters and they're, they have to share as much as they can. Yeah. Which is trying to stay like you alive. said, it's such a great take a new, I never thought about this, but such a great new take on the, on a kind of a vampiric lore uh, where they, you know, they feed off the essence of the soul, if you will, Mm-hmm. of these beings and the fact that they are they are kind of immortal they'll live for live eat well live long uh but they are um they're not invincible uh and so no they they can die if one if they're shot or injured in a certain way but especially if they don't have enough food uh like like anybody they will starve and so we we are introduced to this character of abra who is a young girl that is incredibly powerful yes. with the shiny way more She's than Danny got, was and even more than Danny was. Yeah. And Danny, it was very powerful, but again, he's locked it away. He's not used his power in a long time, which is why the true not, they don't see him on the, you know, their radar. You know, they have ways of kind of finding people, smelling people out and they don't even know that Danny exists because he's locked it away, but they're starting to be on the hunt for Abra and you know, there's kind of this connection that builds between Abra and Danny kind of becomes like a mentor. Yeah. And like an uh, uncle, they call it uncle Dan. So there is that, mm-hmm. uh, which actually, if you uh, read the book in the book, there is a connection where he is actually a distant, uh, r- they're related differently because of uh, his dad uh, was um, slept with someone else. right? Yeah. So he, yeah. So there is that connection there. And they, I think they did a good job in the movie where there's not a blood connection but they have this this uncle uh, niece relationship mm-hmm. that he does look out for her, and of course we got to give props to Ewan McGregor for playing older Danny Torrance, which this guy can do no wrong. I, I honestly, uh, he's such a great actor, and this this was you know a role they have to you want to make it your own. It's it's not a role to be, you know he's not as angry as Jack Torrance. No. You know he's a lot of anger towards his dad. But this is more of a really kind of gentle man that's dealing with his demons. And, um, you know, he's trying to get off. He's trying to be sober. He's trying to get away from uh, the bad things in his life. And he actually ends up doing something really good, which is apart from eventually helping out Abra, is he starts to work at this like hospital. And because of the shining and stuff, you know, his powers, he's actually able to go in and help old sick patients know if it's their time to go to pass on. And so this is why he gets the title Dr. Sleep, which I thought was really cool because so much of this, you know, you think of the shiny, you think of like the the mythology, it's so horror. It's so like creepy, creepy horror that it's nice to, I always think a horror movie that has a bit of a light to it makes then the darker parts even scarier because there's something admirable about that, that, gift he has is he's actually able to go in especially you gotta think some of these older patients might have cancer might have a disease mm-hmm. or a virus or something yeah. so he's gonna be like you know your suffering's about to be over you're gonna and he, and he talks to them in their final moments and kind of helps them get to to their final rest which and is that was so beautiful it's a cool you're... it's a cool beautiful kind of thing that to not have it all just be this dark creepy place where and it redeems his character also so yeah it does make a different way different the shining is there is a lot of uh, warm warm and fuzzies if you will there is a lot mm-hmm. of great moments like that where you like you really you really get touched you really for for you mcgregor's you know character for him to build off of the experience and he's playing off that he has such a beautiful arc if you started from watching the shining to this one such a beautiful arc of, mm-hmm. of him of growing and you see the struggles especially if you're going to watch either one, you got to watch the director's cut, which actually is out in HBO max right now. Uh, or you can buy it on DVD. There you go. But yeah, that's, that was such a great scene. Um, and so, so such powerful scenes with them doing that. I, I really like that a lot. Um, Another cool scene I thought was, was, was fun was, you know, once they kind of get knowledge that there's these kind of vampiric like characters chasing them down is of course they want to get back at them and trying to kill them. And this is great, you know, shootout scene out in the woods. And when we start to see how these vampires kind of go to their grave, if you will, it, it reminded me a little bit of like Blade, of how like the vampires in that whenever they die, they like almost become like full, like melted on fire. Then they kind of like just disintegrate. Yeah. 
it was like that, but instead of being fire, it was like you saw the steam coming out of them. You literally saw like their final moments. And they become like little translucent, uh, which is was really, really cool like effect, which I give props. The CGI in this one, it's not too hokey. I thought they oh, really no, it was so good. did a great job with a lot of the practical effects. I think especially when, you know, you're getting some blasts in the past, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, but, you know, there was some, it's, they went for very, very realistic look. And I thought that was like, the thing that struck out to me was like, whoa, that's really cool. Well, when they, that scene where they have the, the older kind of grandpa character of the true knot who, you know, uh, she's saying to him, you were there when conquerors around. So like, clearly this guy's been around for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah. Like he's really old, but he's just at the point where it's time to go. So literally he dies his body does the kind of freak out CGI. And then his whole body just becomes steam. And then there's this great shot. It's from, it almost says like his viewpoint. Yeah. All the other vampires just go like. Ravenous just, for the feast. They just, they, they're like, well, he's like, out. Food. Almost like cannibals are like. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, and there's also, uh, what's his name? Jacob Tremblay. Right. Oh yeah. Room. Little cameo in this role. Oh. A terrifying. Little cameo. cameo. Little cameo, but a terrifying scene where he gets he gets captured and he gets he literally gets killed while he's alive and they're like eating him and it's just like it's truly that's where this the king horror really plays in. But so we you know we're starting to get down to the the lower numbers here, right? Uh, and we're really rose the hats kind of like the last one standing. Yeah. And. They're like, well, she's never going to stop. She'll never stop chasing us. And she's super powerful. So we got to even Danny the playing field. With, we got to even, yeah, we got to, we got to go somewhere where it's our advantage. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I know of a place. And she's like, <laughs> which of course, <laughs> are we going to that hotel? You know? Yeah. It's still there. Cause no one decided, you know, cause <clears throat> what's funny is this is where the marriage between all the material took a new direction that Mike Flanagan chose. And I think it's, it's, it works really well for this movie. It's not how Dr. Sleep ends from my knowledge, because the shining book, the way it ends is actually the hotel is destroyed because the, and there the, is a redemption. Hell. There is a redemption yeah. with the, the of Jack side. Torrance. Yeah. So they're going to go to the hotel. And I love this line of, I got to wake it up. And this idea that it's, it's, it's a, it's literally a living even though it's a hotel, it's like the spirits are still there. A, and once it knows it's entity, someone, yes, it's its entity. And so <laughs> of course, one of the, best, like, one of the, big, the biggest jump scares we had was a was light a light clicks on and noise. Yeah. And we, and they make a <laughs> noise. And it was like, it was a light, yeah. a light turned on, but they make such a loud noise with yeah. it. It was one of those classic horror, like, uh. but one of the best scenes of this entire film which is very powerful and something that I think a lot of people wish especially, they would have. Especially in the director's cut. It's especially in the director's cut. It's a little longer in the director's cut. But especially the idea that, you know, you, you think you, if you've ever had a loved one or, you know, a friend that has gone down a dark path and you just wish you had one more chance to talk to them, this is what that moment is. And so he knows that, well, more than likely my dad's in there as a ghost somewhere. So... And you have to remember, he's been sober for, gosh, I think he gets his eight-year pin in the movie. Is that what it was? I think it was, yeah. It was uh, for his Something his like trip. that? Yeah. So he's not, he's not had a drink for a long time. Well, he goes into the same bar that his dad did many, many moons ago. And, you know, he starts to feel the, the ghost presence. And then there's a bartender there. It's not the bartender from The Shining. It may be Lou, but it is his, in the spitting image of his father. It's his father who's now the bartender. And of course, and they have yeah. this really powerful scene where it's, you know, he's trying to forgive his dad and he's trying to, he's trying to connect with the father that he lost so long ago. But then we still, we still have a little bit of that evil dad in the spirits when he knocks over the glass and, you know, take your medicine. And, yeah. Oh, it's just, well, and that's a, that's a powerful thing. I guess we, we got to talk about, I'm just a little side note here mm-hmm. is this movie has such a powerful message about addiction and overcoming addiction mm-hmm. in, in li- dealing with your literal <laughs> and figurative demons. Um, Little. Yeah. Know. Cause even, even the true knot that is, it's an addiction. Yes. I mean, yes, it's their food source. It's them living like forever. Us, but yeah, it's this idea that they, they have to, yeah, they want to live forever. They want to have uh, youth and beauty. Like most, you know, 
that's the thing about vampires is a lot of vampire lore where some is once they become a vampire, they never change. They never age, you know, where this is kind of like, no, there's still like your life's on the line if you don't eat enough or things happen to you. At the same time, clearly Danny has gone down the same exact, you know, we all become our fathers. Some of the saints says, mm-hmm. you know, is sins of the father passes to the son and he, he, you know, some bad stuff happened to him because he drank, you know, he saw some death from people because he drank. And so he's, he's about ready to, if this is what I have to do to save this girl and I, you know, he, he's going to confront his father and it really is a powerful scene. And again, it's this idea of he doesn't realize that the spirit doesn't realize that it's Jack Torrance, you know, he just thinks he's another member of the staff. And again, this whole theory of like, well, if you die at the hotel, do you become part of the hotel? Is the hotel always controlling you? Very, very, you know, creepy. And then we get, of course, Rose does show up. And there's that cool shot of her. Doesn't she, she, she sees the, the blood river. Yeah. I, I, at the elevator. She's I, I, like, oh, that's, that's interesting. All the great shots, of course, like in the original, uh, the blood coming down the elevator. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're all giddy about it. And she's like, yeah, whatever. And of course they face off right the same place that his father and his mm-hmm. mom had faced off. Of course, it's so symbolic. And of course, one of the, one of the, another great scene, of course, is when she, you know, tries to, take his shine and take his steam. And of course he, uh, he had bottled up all those spirits over the years and Ooh, every single one from the hotel. And they're hungry. And, <laughs> and they're hungry. And, oh, what a creepy scene. They're really ripping her face off and she's screaming and it's like, it's epic. But I mean, like what a great powerful tool at the end, you know, all these using the demons to, his to attack this new demon. That's, you know, um, but then we get really this is where the redeeming for those who really love the book is, you know, all right, our our evil vampire witch is dead. Yay. No, the hotel is still going to be the hotel and it's still going to try to possess um, Danny. And it does. And we see like one of his eyes turns like completely milky white. Yeah. And he's got the axe and it's like, oh, my gosh. Now he's just like his father because, of course, his leg got injured. So he's, he's got the limp. He's got the axe. He's trying to find Abra. He's going crazy. But he's got a trick up his sleeve. He actually, just like in the book, he set the burners in a you know way down at the, the boiler room mm-hmm. to blow up and destroy the hotel, which is exactly what happens in the end of The Shining, the book, is even though Jack Torrance is possessed, there's something about the son kind of talks to him to be like, no, I love you, Dad. And he, he comes to enough to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of sacrifices himself. So that was a kind of neat thing that they took that ending that a lot of people wish had happened for Kubrick's version. Yeah. And it does kind of wrap up the whole thing because it kind of gets the idea that, you know, Danny saves Abra from Rose the Hat, but then also in the end, he ends up destroying the hotel. He ends up taking it with him. Yeah. And it does it costs him his life but it's such a heroic thing in the end, you know, like you said, redemption. There's a huge, yeah, huge redemption arc. Um, you know, I think, I guess if you want to look at, um, I'll say this in a bit, but I, I will say the, in the ending is really nicely opened up um, that there is potential for more because you still have this great mythology. Cause it's like, you know, she said, Oh, you know, when, before he faces off with Rose, Oh, I'm not the only one, you know, they think they uh-huh. take out this whole thing. no, there's countless others out there. And of course, Abra is one of the most powerful, you know, shiners out there. And there's still other people out there like her. And of course there is still maybe more world building they can do, you know, on top of and that. Even that, even that change of early in the movie, when he first meets Abra, he's like, hide your shine. These people are going to try to come kill you. Hide it. He's so about like covering up the power. Mm-hmm. And by then he's like, shine on Abra, shine on. And this is where and it's like, it's like, well, he could, you know, He's a bit of that kind of, I call it like Force Ghost Luke kind of thing. Like, you know, he's kind of like the Obi-Wan. It's like, he'll always be there. So he could be a cameo whenever. Yeah. Because that was kind of cool. The guy that they cast, who was the young Halloran. Uh, Dick, it was, looked, you know, great actor. Again, great casting for, for great all that. Great casting. I, didn't, I thought it was the same guy. I was like, because we had. It was great. Yeah, and uh, perfect. So, yeah, I would, I would love to see a, a, a new film, you know, a sequel or. Abra's the lead. Maybe she's trying to go off and find other 
shiners and maybe there's not only just more true not vampires there could be other horrors in other places yeah. you know there's so much that they could go into and it'd be cool to see a continuation of that. And I would, I would love Mike Flanagan to get back involved. But what I was mm-hmm. saying, I think if we look at both these films on their own, mm-hmm. think about the themes. Shining is all about addiction. It's about mm-hmm. addiction. You think Jack Torrance's character, alcoholism, his wife, you know, she's, she's addicted to be that submissive role and just keeping her family together. And of course, you know, the, ho- the hotel is, you know, addicted to getting more souls. Mm-hmm. Doctor Sleep is all about recovery, fighting your demon. Yeah. Where the first one's embracing your demons. So I thought that is a really good if you I didn't think about that until I watched them again with when we watched them again, I was like really sitting there like, wow, okay, there's actually some really power like not on the surface, but if you watch these embrace these films, there's some big powerful themes that mm-hmm. you can really appreciate what they're doing. And my hat's off to both Kubrick and Flanagan for, you know, and of course. Shout out to Stephen King, one of the greatest novelists of our time, to creating this world. Uh, a master, a master of horror. I will say Flanagan, I think why he was the right man for the job is that's also something similar in The Haunting of Hill House is there is a huge amount. Which is on Netflix deal, right now. Which is on Netflix and the, the new, kind of like American Horror Story, they're doing like a new series, different house, some of the same actors. There's a lot in The Haunting of Hell House that has to do with addiction mm-hmm. um, and this idea of uh, addiction and also uh, mental uh, illness. Like, is the, is the family crazy? Are they actually seeing stuff? And that's something that I think this, this movie's touched on that as well is to an outside person. Like, you, you think of, like, even the, the owners of the hotel in the beginning talking to Jack. They're all talking like it's just normal business day to day. They have no there's no like idea, at least from what we believe that there's anything haunted there. Mm-hmm. Um, and even Holloran, you know, he's talking to Danny, like, you know, he contends that he's got this power and he's, you know, is this, is this hotel bad? Is there something bad here? And he's like, and he's kind of playing around. Like he doesn't know if anything's bad there. And it's kind of like the interesting, like for all, you know, like to a new story, it would just be that like dad goes crazy due to isolation mom and son escape and a story yeah. you know there would there would be no report about oh there's ghosts in that hotel like no one would no one would believe that so i think that flanagan really he 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 knows how to play those moments of when it is this is the the, the sci-fi horror part but this is the real life stuff that everyone can connect to that still relates to anybody uh, especially dealing with addiction or it's, family legacy. Yes, and it's tough with, I think, horror films nowadays and these psychological thrillers also nailing down dialogue. And I thought there was a great job in both films, especially Dr. Sleep, that because it's a love letter to both the book and the spirit of uh, The Shining and movie and film, um, the dialogue and how the characters act in Dr. Sleep, very well done. I thought realistic. And I think there was a lot of these scenes where it's not like some, there's a little bit humor, but it's not played for played for laughs it just because Mm -hmm. it's just natural so i thought again amazing cast well written uh but again look at what you're basing this off of stephen king's work so i think you know master dialogue as well so yeah and just there's so much also i mean for stephen king so many of the movie adaptations of stephen king's work are really hit and miss yeah there's been a lot of misses it's been a lot of misses and it's because his, his books are so dense there's so much going on, you know, he, he really, you know, I, I love the it films and um, I made it about two thirds through the way of it. Cause it's about, it's like, I don't know, it's like 2,300 pages. I mean, it's like so long. So that's the problem. I mean, a lot of his books are so dense. There's so much there because he's so uh, skilled at being very descriptive and he really, you know, he, he's, he's not turning out just a bunch of crap every year. No. He really, you know, <laughs> definitely so, not. <laughs> uh, it's nice to see that, you know, even if it's not to the T of the book, uh, these movies do really hold up with the, the material. And um, it makes you hopeful that more directors will attract themselves to uh, not only adapting Stephen King's work, but other great writers of horror and fiction. That's so true. There's a lot of great work out there. I don't think people read. There's <sighs> so many books, so many things. So excited to see what else comes of this franchise. As I said, it definitely has made its place in pop culture as some of the most iconic horror and uh, even some of the best movies ever made so 
But anyway, thanks for listening today. We just want to uh, once again say thank you so much. We're so happy and proud to have got that 1,000 downloads last week. Absolutely. And we, hope to, we hope to keep seeing it grow and grow. And again, uh, if you like what we're doing, please tell your friends, You know, like, share, subscribe, all that stuff. We really appreciate that. It really helps us continue to grow this this little project of ours it's been such a fun uh i think both both of us have had the joy of having our artistic outlet the last few months even during a pandemic to be making the show i think so and i think also it's an inspiring thing for all you out there that you can use the time wisely and you know this has just came as an idea that we're having fun with and that's all it is is you you follow your passions and the potential uh, can be can be endless and uh but yeah we're excited to especially this month to continue to uh, poke and explore those scary elements of the season of Halloween of movies and pop culture, some frightening stuff out there. Thanks for listening to the potential podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the potential podcast or on Twitter at the potential pod, or you can email us, send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, the potential podcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.